Today we're going to get vulnerable and curious with Sophie Hocking, a free thinker, freedom seeker and warm embracing soul. She is the founder of Rootstock, an organic grocery and refill shop and is a self-employed artist. In this episode she talks us through her lonely younger years, how her identity has evolved over time and the values that guide her. She is honest about her distaste with the state of the world as well as her periods of depression. Sophie explains how she approaches her work as an artist and business owner and walks us through how she tries to balance her philosophical inquisitive mind with grounding in spirituality. I came away from this conversation overflowing with gratitude and hope. Sophie delivered her story with raw honesty whilst reminding us of our autonomy and ability to shape our own reality. Welcome to Authentic Self, your companion on the path of self-exploration and expression. If you're tired of wearing masks that hide the real you and leave you feeling disconnected and unfulfilled, then you're in the right place. In each episode, our guests will share their stories, insights and practices, providing you with the inspiration and skills needed to break free and tap into the radiant authenticity that lies within you. Living authentically is really powerful. So for anyone that's listening, why is authenticity so important? And you can come at this from your personal experience, if you would like. <laughs> Lovely. Um, oh, it's such a hard topic, I feel. Um, like you said, on social media, we're constantly bombarded by how you should live, yeah. what lifestyles you'd like. And there's a lot of condition, I feel, that we probably don't even realise. So by definition, authenticity to be original is almost impossible because how do we completely strip ourselves away from all of that? But for me, I think authenticity means to be the governor of yourself without, not without any influence at all because... No painting is not influenced by a painting before, really. So it's just being true to yourself um, and living in accordance to your values. Um, And I think that makes for a well laugh and a good laugh. Yeah. Hopefully. I like that painting (laughs) analogy. I've not heard that before. I like that. (laughs) What are your core values that you used to kind of help you make decisions or guide the direction of your life what are they at the moment for you and can you include um a red herring one and listeners if they would like can listen through the rest of the podcast and try and figure out which one is less authentic for you (laughs) um from from the things that you talk about lovely um definitely the one that screams to me that I know is the most important I feel in my life is uh, freedom and not just freedom to go and do whatever you want to do because that would be absurd but freedom as in self self governance self authorship um to live the life that you want to um and to live alongside your purpose really 
um, is incredibly important for me, as well as accentuating the good in your life um, and acting in accordance with love. When you look back over your life and especially at your like younger years, your childhood, what are some of the sort of milestones in terms of, first of all, realising that you have an identity? Because I think as a child, you often don't realise that and, you know, you don't have a, a, the same level as autonomy. So at what point did you kind of, if, it, if there was a point, it might be gradual, but did you realise you kind of could create and control your identity and then how has it sort of shifted over time sort of in those younger years oh that's a difficult question oh there's no one memory I think of me realizing about identity I think I think I, I, I felt a little bit of a black sheet when I was younger so I know I was different to a lot of people, like, in my school. I grew up around heavy metal music, <laughs> wore baggy pants. Um, so when I look back, I did get treated a lot differently, but also that's, now I come to think of it, not my identity. So it's hard to examine, like, who you are from going from past memories because... I know that's not who I am, but I think that's what instilled like possibly more of an awareness of um, what it means to be Sophie from Wigan. And it's not that I'm from Wigan either, so it's hard. I know that growing up I spent a lot of time playing computer games, um, being online um, and that kind of new emerging world. Um so I think throughout that, being an only child and being left alone a long time of my life, I did grow this huge independence and being able to do what I wanted to, um, whether that was just being online. Um, so there was a strong sense of independence and freedom there. Um, so, yeah, I think... That's what I can gather. <laughs> yeah. And when you talk about kind of who you were wasn't actually the real self. Yeah. What factors were at play to cause you to not be genuine? I think there's always been a big rebellious streak within my childhood and teenage years. I think being left alone a lot and then if there was any sort of authority placed upon my life I would rebel. So what kind of drove mm. those aspects of your personality at that time? I guess loneliness you know. Yeah. Um, I think looking back when I was always like craving because I was alone a lot so I was playing on the games, um, into things that possibly that I liked because my family were into them. Um, and then I, I realised when I went to high school where I didn't know anyone, I did kind of mould and I wasn't as genuine as I, th as I could have been. Um, but I think that's probably quite standard for 
Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I suddenly swapped out my uh, Converse bag for a Jane Norman. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's survival really, isn't it, in those kind of intense environments, what I think secondary school is. It's nasty. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of moulded to survive and make friends. And then how... Were you like that throughout the entirety of high school? And then when did it start start to shift? When did you sort of start to camouflage yourself less? I think when I left high school, um, I think becoming more of age and noticing the shift of my distaste with authority because I value freedom so much, I was rebellious when school said, no, you have to come in, you have to be in on that day. Because I used to scarf school all the time. Um, and then when I left school and went to college, um, if I didn't think think or feel that like I was getting something out of a class, then I wouldn't go because I feel like I want to organise my time. That's best for me. So... Um, when college was like, right, if you don't come in, then you're going to get kicked out, then I'd be more rebellious. But I think with that, that's when I started to come out of like the mould moulding because I did have friends in college, but they weren't, it wasn't to that specific time. Yeah because it was more flexible, so I feel like I didn't feel like I needed to be as inauthentic. Yes. So the, having less of a social circle meant you were less exposed or less close to people kind of of the same age yeah. and therefore less concerned about the judgments from those people Yeah, and therefore sure. felt freer to make decisions mm. that you wanted to rather than well, what everyone else was doing is yeah that, is that right yeah. yeah where are you at now I, I know that's such a difficult <laughs> question but I don't think any of us ever reach like you mentioned complete originality because there are so many influences but what where where do you still feel you are most influenced by social conditioning or others' expectations. What aspects of your life do you think maybe still could be changed to be more true to you? Ooh, that's a big one. I know. <laughs> I don't think we're free of social conditioning because of how society is structured. And there is expectations of what we have to provide in within that. That's really hard. I do think spending less time on social media would be a good thing because I did get sucked into that of being a self-employed person who also was trying to engage myself within a, within a spiritual community and 
I just felt like that was completely detrimental to authenticity because you see so much of how how you should be behaving or what you should be practising and it was just so wrong for me to be there. So I definitely think the less time that I can be on those platforms, probably the better for following like my own purpose. Yeah. However, I don't think they're completely negative. I think there are a lot of positive impacts they can have, but yeah. It's difficult because I think a lot of people go to them for guidance. Mm. And it's difficult to find the balance between when it's giving you guidance and when yeah. you're getting tips and inspiration from it versus when you're not listening to yourself at all and you're just taking any advice that's given, not critically kind of reviewing it mm. and then just applying it to yourself. And it's re- and that takes time as well to do that. Yeah. And then if you think about the amount that we can and or at least I know am I consume if I were to evaluate all of it and really consider is this in, in line with me I wouldn't get time to do anything no. else in the day You'd be knackered yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's really difficult because to get the inspiration to get the advice the guidance that I think it can provide mm. without completely losing touch with ourself and and what what kind of can be gained from listening and tuning into ourselves it's hard very hard you have to consciously consume yeah and the way these apps are designed is for you to it to be easy and endorphin hitting yeah and it's dangerous because you don't realize how much you are consuming or how much it's manipulating your behavior yeah and it's so easy to say oh well I should come off it and I shouldn't do that but it's it's not our fault at the end of the day yeah. as long as we're aware of it then I think that's a good step in the right direction yeah have there been any like decisions in your life that you know we've already discussed kind of that younger you was inauthentic for different reasons have there been any kind of decisions that you've made more as an adult that kind of that have looking back have been inauthentic and have maybe taken you kind of off your path a bit definitely definitely (laughs) (laughs) the one that stands out to me most is um I developed my art and um thought right I'm gonna make this into a bigger thing and brand myself so I actually changed my personal art account into a brand called Soulful. And now I look back, I know that was completely the wrong thing to do. But at the time, I thought, this is going to be bigger than me. I can make more money out of it because I was at a time where I needed more income. Um, so it was kind of out of survival, but probably a lot out of ego, I'm not ashamed to say. Um to fit within that community community that I spoke of before. Um, yeah, and it was completely the wrong decision to do. I got to the point where I didn't want to create anything because I knew it wasn't right. Yeah. How did you know it wasn't right? What What were the signs for you that 
a lack of creativity. Okay. Yeah, like completely blocked. Yeah. A distaste for it almost. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Not knowing what to produce as well. Yeah, it was wrong. <laughs> yes. Is there, because that sounds kind of like a bit like a creative block. Mm. But I imagine you can also have a creative block even if you're trying to produce art that's right for you. How would you tell the difference between a creative block that's just forcing you to mm, expand your art and mm. and take it a step further versus a creative block that's because you're taking it in the wrong direction or Ooh. it's not aligned with you? Good question. I think... I always have to examine what's going on in my life and how I feel and where I'm at. There's, I always feel like a creative block yeah. most times. Um, but I feel like they're a really positive thing to happen because we're not machines. And when it's something so close to you, what you put out there, if there's something going on in my life or is this, if there's something that I need to learn, or realise, then I'll only realise it when I come out. And poetry for me is amazing for that because if I feel angry or frustrated, then I can figure out why when I write poetry. And that's so much different to where is I know it's wrong because then I won't want to create at all. And I know that medium's wrong. So that soulful journey was like art via like graphic art. And I just knew it was wrong. I didn't want to sit at a computer. I still don't want to sit at a computer. So I know that I'm not supposed to create through my computer, basically. Yeah. You have a degree in philosophy and I get the impression that you still read quite a lot of books around the subject <laughs> and continue to expand your knowledge and awareness. So how was it something that you first became interested in and where has it grown from there and how has it influenced your values how just how you approach life your behaviors your decisions I know that's a massive question <laughs> but <laughs> just take it in parts where did it start from and then how's it shifted Ooh, from there where did it start from I think growing up um uh, there was always a huge distaste with how the world was structured I knew it was wrong I knew it was corrupt that led to a lot of anger <laughs> as you do with teenage angst, but um, I I did become interested in Eastern philosophy. Um, um, a lot of takings from Buddhism, Hinduism. Um, it helped me navigate things like materialism. Um, and during that period... I did suffer a lot of depression. Um, there's certain things online that I shouldn't have been savvy to um, because I spent so much time on the computer. Um, and uh, reading 
philosophical theories and um, religious texts almost helped me so much um, just knowing just how to separate all that and there's something more to life that I felt. I felt almost so lost because I knew life was special and that there was more. And then when I looked at the world around me and how awful it was, I, I just didn't want to be here anymore. So I know that I had to read and I had to understand things a lot better. And, yeah, that just snowballed. Um, but I actually went to uni to study business first, and it was actually... We were sat in um, a class one day for create, creating ideas for new businesses, and one guy said, oh, let's um, make tattoos for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and I just stared at him, and obviously, like, from reading a lot about ethics, and I was big into my animal ethics, I was like, I am in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> so I quickly dropped out and uh, enrolled, and then I... Went on to study philosophy for another four years. Wow. So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> it was a good decision. Good. <laughs> and I'm glad that guy said that because yeah. <laughs> it just, it just co- um, confirmed what you... Definitely. What you probably already knew. Silly man. <laughs> <laughs> Have there been any, like, teachings or principles that really helped you specifically with kind of anger and depression related to the state of the world I kind of imagine they sort of come together because they're both about what you're seeing around you definitely I think philosophical principles definitely and there's some philosophers from over the last hundred years um, that I like but going further back than that I remember reading certain concepts about the nature of reality and even more than that I know that there's more beyond that so trying to get a hold more of an understanding on what there could be and what makes life special or even beyond this life I remember reading um I think he was from the Netherlands, if I remember rightly. Uh, I remember reading Spinoza when I was younger. Um, And I think he got discommunicated, is the right word, from the Jewish community because he wrote about us being finite modes of the infinite, which was more than the understanding of God at that time. So I always knew, I always felt as though there was we were all connected in such a bigger sense that I could even imagine. So then there was another guy called Hegel, which also said a similar thing. Um, And I think that helped me to understand other people a lot more if I know that we're all interconnected. and, And I think that's why I've always had such a strong love for nature as well. Um. yeah definitely theories like that but then as my studies continued I focused more on um, moral philosophy 
So I really like the teachings of like John Stuart Mill. Um, yeah. For those of us that don't know those teachings, <laughs> can you give us like a, um, an idea of what they Definitely. are? Definitely. So John Stuart Mill, um, basically, so in ethics, you want to find the good in life to emphasize that and build principles around that for how you should behave. And then that's where law comes in. You build the rules on how everyone should behave in a society. So John Stuart Mill, um, he was a utilitarian, so you emphasis the good or the happiness in life, and freedom was a massive factor for John Stuart Mill, which is why I loved it. Yeah. (laughs) But also, it's not absolute freedom because you have to also minimise the harm um, for yourself and for others. So it was really practical. So, like, throughout... When I was a teenager, I was reading these mad theories that were really abstract. Took me a long time to get my head around them. But for then to understand that and then move on to practical where I was like, I can apply this to everything I see around me and like in my head I can make the world a better place. So I focused heavily on the internet um, because I'd spent so much time on it and experienced a lot of negativity on there. I knew it wasn't a safe place. So um, I focused on that and during my master's as well. Um, yeah, to try and see a lot more good in it. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that area. Yeah. But that's a whole different kettle of fish. <laughs> so I'm imagining your younger self reading these abstract philosophies Mm. where did you get the the motivation from and did anyone like help you understand these things or guide you or were you doing this completely by yourself yeah mostly completely by myself wow (laughs) (laughs) I would watch like YouTube videos and things like that um I didn't feel like it was anything I could speak to anyone about definitely not friends um sometimes my parents but they worked such long hours when they did come home and if I did try and speak (laughs) abstractly it was like that would cause a lot of aggro (laughs) okay yeah and I think that not being able to then talk with people about the things I wanted to talk about Uh, I didn't feel genuinely connected to a lot of people and I think that I think that probably is one of the factors of why I drank so much alcohol (laughs) yeah yeah it's quite sad really when I think about it but I don't feel sad now (laughs) yeah talk me through the like alcohol and its place in your life Mm had a big place from about the age of 14 I think that's just what happened I think I was in a social circle where at weekends we would you'd get drunk well Thursday Friday Saturday and then that gradually developed into more just be more and more alcohol cigarettes 
And then in college, that's I drank a lot. Um, I'd go out with the people that were a lot older than me as well. So at 15, I was going into like over 21s clubs. Um, it's just what it was. And I didn't think it was wrong until probably in university I thought, right, this is bad. Because I wasn't making genuine connections. It was all to do with drinking. But I was lucky enough to make good friends. And um, I th I'd honestly say I've only got control over alcohol use probably about a year ago, a year and a half ago. Because it was always something that if I started, I couldn't stop. And now I'll take it or leave it. And I'm so happy to say that. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Yeah. What changed a year ago? Oh, probably security. Feeling a lot more secure within myself and in my life generally. And that was that around the time that you stopped with the branded art was like how did they were they a similar time kind of noticing that branding yourself wasn't genuine having security in just being yourself and not needing to give yourself a name and a brand and having the security to not need alcohol to have connections to have fun mm. were they around the same sort of time yeah and I've never even realized <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it does make a lot of sense. Why do you read such theoretical stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Why not the more? Because I'm imagining there is authors out there that write in a more accessible way, that's more practical, that's more applied to current life. Mm. But you still choose the more theoretical abstract. Do you know why that is? Um... I don't know I think I like to try and understand things and it's not that abstract My, I'm thinking specifically of Hegel okay so one concept that I love is um not to look at history as such as a timeline <laughs> of of things that have happened but a progression of consciousness towards freedom. Okay. So I love reading things like that because for me, just when you read something like that and you go, wow, that has changed my whole perception of what life and life before me could have been for, I just love reading things like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I think for me as well, I hate feeling like getting up in the morning, going to work and then coming back or doing daily responsibilities. I hate the mundane feeling. So if I can sit there and assess life and it be not what I think, it's it. now I say it, it's probably is some sort of escapism, but it all allows me to try and find my better understanding of reality and myself. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, it would help if I did more practical reading, I think, sometimes. <laughs> no, you're just doing the hard work yourself. You're having to figure out how to pra- apply it without letting yeah. someone else tell you. There is a danger, though. I remember I used to work in a small pub in Manchester and there used to be one of my favourite customers. He was a druid. And he came in and he used to talk about loads of Eastern theories Um a lot about paganism and he said to me one day you have to be careful because it's like yes there could be so much that we don't understand and that we can't see in this world um what he said you if you fall off the cliff there's no return I remember (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) So kind of like the you grasp of reality. He, he said you've got to stay on the cliff else. Life would be her- really bad. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever felt near the edge? Ne- yeah, definitely. Yeah. Didn't you think that comes into your need for freedom? Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because if you're able to view things in a different way... Mm. And shift the way that you view the mundane, the, the daily life. You're freeing yourself from having to view it in one specific way, aren't you? Mm. And not having the option to see those things in a different light. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're blowing my mind. <laughs> I've got I've, all I can feel in my head now is like ground yourself, ground yourself. <laughs> think that's where like I always have been too caught up in my mind where it's had actually like negative impacts in my life I think spiritual practices and delving more into what my body feels and my knowing and intuition that has helped me bring I feel like my mind is a balloon and it it's helped me like stand here with my feet in the grass more a lot more grounded than I used to be so where did uh when did you start doing that um specifically I can think of when I broke off with an ex and I just I didn't lose it but I just knew I had to get out and get out of my mind as well and that's when I'd go for hours and hours of walks on my own with my dog and that's when I felt like a grinding process started. And I feel like I know myself a lot better now because of that. Which is really positive. <laughs> yeah. What does it look like now for you? What do you do regularly or when you're feeling like you need that extra grounding? What? Mm, walking. Yeah. Or running, if I can be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I found a lot of magic almost with running. I know a lot of practitioners and coaches say that you should, this is the whole thing that I was saying before, a lot of people saying what you should and shouldn't do. Yeah. Um, Even meditation, like you should be sat there um, in silence and that's how you find yourself. But I really struggle to sit there in silence. Um. And I know a lot of people who have experienced trauma in the life as well. 
struggle to sit there in silence. Afem running for me was an amazing exercise mentally, not just physically. It lets me split up kind of segments of my mind almost and find that complete quiet. But within that complete quiet, there'd then be like bursts of things that pop through that are amazing. I find running, yeah, amazing. I'd come back and it would be like years ago smoking a joint where you get those pieces of magic like oh my god I've just found the answer to the questions of the universe but then you forget it like 30 seconds later yeah whereas running it's like you come back and I'm like it's inspirational almost do you ever have runs where you don't get that yeah definitely how do you deal with that definitely definitely I feel like it can be a vice as much as it can be a virtue. Um, you can be too stuck in your own head. You can be too swamped with self-doubt or negative thoughts because of the f- physical performance as well. So it's like a process of... I always say it's steamroller in your ego, putting one foot in front of the other and quieting your ego and that's where that lovely meditative <laughs> that <word>. meditative <laughs> yeah meditative loveliness comes after that it's yeah. just a process every single run yeah oh yeah like with ev- everything it doesn't always work yeah <laughs> how do you accept it if it doesn't work does it do you get frustrated angry i do get frustrated but then when you get home and you have a shower you think well I got out and that's better than what I'd done before so yeah 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 (laughs) thank you we've already kind of touched on this you as an artist self-employed artist your poetry um and touched on how there was a connection between your evolution in your art and your evolution as a person Mm. where did your art start and how has it mirrored or guided your evolution as as a as a person Mm. I feel like my artistic journey has been short because it did start when I was in school I loved art and I carried it on through to college every time I'd get home it would either be reading or being on the computer but at school I'd started to like explore my creativity and I loved it and it was different and it I would like my philosophy and my art would intertwine because I was so intrigued by these Eastern religious concepts almost, I would draw and paint Buddhas, Ganesh, all like Indian pattern. I loved it. Um, But unfortunately I had negative (laughs) experience with um, being told what to draw or what to explore. Um so I refused to do it and that unfortunately ended up in me failing art 
and all my art was then thrown away. <laughs> that was the sore spot for a good many years. It, I didn't do any art after that because I just viewed it then as something that some somebody else wanted and not as an exploration of what's inside myself really, which it's not for anybody else ultimately. And it was only then picked back up when I started to ground myself, when I took myself out for those walks. Um, I was not, I, was, I wasn't in a very good position financially. I didn't have anywhere to live. Um, and I needed money to pay for rent. Um, so I started to draw these places that I was walking in looking back now I was in my own healing process um and I started selling postcards <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous no it doesn't <laughs> but I actually made what I needed in rent through selling postcards and they had what kind of you termed magic spots on them didn't they yes, they were did, yeah. sort of landmarks around your local area yeah that were kind of in nature yeah so I called them magic spots because they were where I could cry at five in the morning um I'd be walking my dog as well so it's where I was spending time with my child <laughs> basically and Every time I'd finished one of those walks, I, I felt the courage to go and crack on and carry on. And so I kind of wanted to share that with people because I know people like to walk in those areas as well. And they, they did really well. And I've still got people asking me for them. <laughs> but I feel like I've had to stop them just because... They meant so much in that period of my life and I don't feel that hurt anymore. So I feel like it would be wrong for me to continue doing them. And I imagine that's another tension between you producing art for yourself. Yeah. But also art that needs to be bringing you income and therefore... Um, providing like financial stability mm. um yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really hard really hard because I look back and I was so skint like I didn't have any money and these postcards were £2.50 but they'd I was, like stock them in so many different places and I look back now at my accounts and I'm like that was literally survival for me but it was something magical as well. And so I've had it sometimes where I've produced something that I'm not happy with just for money. And for me, it doesn't feel right now. So I'm kind of waiting for... I've literally just finished up setting up a new store, as you know. So I'm waiting for that time where I can solidly create something that feels right. And it's just not happened yet. <laughs> no. I know there are some places that I've been for walks that really have a place in my mind because I came 
to a certain realization or I had a good release, a good cry, or I was just full of gratitude. And I don't want anything that could possibly tarnish that memory or change that memory in any way. Mm. And I imagine creating that art and then letting other people have it. I just, I just imagine that's like really difficult to do. Um, I think at the time though, because I was hurting so much, that sharing really helped. Okay. So there was a lot of, I was suffering a lot, but there was also people that those places were so special to as well. So their connection to that helped me almost be grateful for that place, which helped in turn. Yeah. I think it I think it worked out perfect for the time in my life. But yeah. I just don't want to share them anymore. Yeah. Because also now it feels cheap almost because I don't want to monetize those places anymore almost and that's what I feel it would be doing which is is odd because it's so different (laughs) what it was yeah but yeah I just think that it's not right anymore why were you hurting so much what was what was going on at that time um I'd broke up from quite an unhealthy relationship and I didn't know who I was didn't know what I was going to do the that relationship provided with me with so much comfort with family as well like I'm in a different place I didn't know where to go I didn't have any really of my I didn't have any income at the time as well and I'd just set up a new business so it was a bit like shit (laughs) (laughs) um but I'm so happy, so happy that all that happened because I needed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did it Did it help you process any stuff from young years as well? Definitely. Definitely. I always, it sounds so cliche and I hate saying it, but it was an awakening. It really was. There were certain things happening in my life that I needed the courage to do and I didn't have it before. So I'm really grateful. (laughs) If you're enjoying this episode or learning anything from it, I'd be really grateful if you could pause, take a screenshot and share it on social media. Your support means a lot and will enable us to continue. Thank you. So you mentioned your business, Mm -hmm. setting up a new store. So you're the co-founder of rootstock or we are rootstock which is a refill shop organic grocery Mm -hmm. and you also stock some homeware stuff from like local makers don't you and you set that up in 2020 yeah so that's coming up to three years now um or no it is three years isn't it um you're co-founder with meg yeah (laughs) um (laughs) How do your personal values come into rootstock and how do you navigate two different, similar but different views and ideas about the business? Mm. Wow. I think the values do come through the business a lot. I think 
going back to that time three years ago, there was a lot of shit happening. <laughs> um, we were told to stay inside. We were told that you're a risk to everyone else. Um, we just And there was so much single-use plastic as well in the name of health. Um, it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right. And so I just it just felt like everyone was disconnected from each other, from the environment. And, I mean, it's quite easy to see why if you're told not to go outside for more than an hour a day um, and that single-use masks and gloves and aprons and whatever else folk were using, but we just thought we need to... We just felt pressured we need to do something. So we created a little shed almost for people to pick things up, drop your containers off, we'll fill everything up for you, pick them back up. Now I look back, it's crazy to see that we started there, but it's it's amazing. Um, and I feel like the values of respecting nature, each other, connection with oneself as well, health and well-being it really brought a lot of people together at that time and it's so nice to look back on <laughs> yeah because you're like recently with like with moving into a new shop you've not had a rebrand but there've been some additional things on social media about the the values behind your brand and I know like two one of them is holism is that how you pronounce it holism and community and that's exactly what you're talking about yeah what is holism for anyone who doesn't know is the concept that everything is interconnected and everything it's an ecosystem basically but for everything the whole ecosystem everything depends on everything else we're so completely interconnected and reliant upon one another upon our environment everything so it's taken into consideration that everything is important to us um and it's a con conscious business basically we take in consideration of suppliers the product the materials used, the ingredients, just being more aware and in turn creating a more loving place to live and business and hopefully society. Yeah. Yeah. How does that match up with your sort of individual exploration of philosophy? Because they seem quite... um, separate and almost the extremes one's very community-based one's quite individual yeah how do they come together I think yeah it has to come together because from studying moral philosophy for such a long time ethics is very important to me and to have the platform to manage my own business ethically is amazing so I can put those values into practice um that being it sustainability or even the way that we manage employees um it's such a nice thing to be able to do 
yeah and hopefully for other people <laughs> that, yeah no and that makes sense you're like exactly what you said implementing them and sharing them so mm. that everyone else can see what you're doing and benefit from benefit from that and be inspired and hopefully do take some of that into their yeah. own lives whether that's how they run their businesses or how they work or whether it's just the way they shop and and, and consume things <laughs> have you ever had times where yours and Meg's views and ideas have been quite different and how do you how do you manage that yeah we're both completely two different people but it it works so lovely because Meg's quite mathematical logical she's amazing with numbers astronomy um whereas I'm more of the up in the earth she's very almost grounded I'm the more like creative inspiration a lot of ideas that don't get followed (laughs) (laughs) but we so we do bring a lot of different things to the table but we're both very aware of where that comes from and we're both very appreciative of each other so nothing will get just shoved to one side very conscious how we talk to each other how we implement things and it works really well and it's so lovely again to have that and that that's the way we run the business and it's just really lovely (laughs) yeah have there been any times when the need to make it a successful business has potentially challenged the values that are at the core of the business oh definitely definitely it's important I think not to be so rigid because we can't be perfect like any business creates waste yeah so there's been loads of times where yeah yeah we have to make money at the end of the day but we just try and make the processes of the business as best as we can I can't think of any specific example but there's been times where we have created waste because we've not been able to afford to recycle everything properly for if anyone if listeners are still listening what was the red herring value that you put in at the start do you know i didn't say it you did no, no did you, did, you did did i say it? yeah like an, an um overly focused on on the good oh yeah because as soon as we said values i thought i've not said it no yeah, yeah, yeah. oh good yeah i'm glad <laughs> yeah so the red herring one was kind of the the, the positivity kind of always searching for the good in things yeah I think you're a bit more realistic and definitely than that (laughs) potentially pessimistic (laughs) I think about this a lot and I'm at a really good place now where I don't feel bad for feeling like shit and like everything else is shit because when I first started this journey I thought got to be grateful for everything I've got to love and like I've even got a tattoo (laughs) eternal light and good vibrations and now I'm just like that is not what it's all about so much darkness we've all got a shadow 
not everything I'm grateful for. Well, I am in a bizarre way grateful for everything bringing me to here and now, but I think that kind of what you see on social media again is so dangerous. Not everything is love and light. <laughs> no. And and the dark times, exactly like you've spoken about, mm. those times when you were really hurting weren't enjoyable at all in the process. You weren't to know that there was going to be a happy ending to it mm. or lots of lessons learned that would then help you take the next steps and progress in life. But it was very much essential at the time and but it wasn't nice no. <laughs> there was it was no you can't like <laughs> wash that with a nice rose tinted mm. glasses it, it was suffering hurt pain for sure loneliness definitely and <laughs> and that it's not um an easy thing to go through mm. but but it's part of life definitely yeah <laughs> <laughs> um for anyone listening where can they find you online oh <laughs> <laughs> um if you uh, want them to yeah, find know, you yeah, go. <laughs> uh, i'm on instagram as self hawk yes that's um, s-o-p-h-h-o-c-k yeah and um the business is rootstock yeah <laughs> thank you very very much thank you thank you for being so open about everything and, and sharing things and um yeah some of those philosophies and principles that you've spoken about I'm definitely going to be going and looking into um and I feel like I just have such a better understanding of you and it, it makes sense I don't know things just make sense now that, that I see you doing your life and I'm like oh now I understand yeah and um so thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you.